wrong one. <laughs> I got time for another one. You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 83 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on Wednesday, June 20th, and I'm actually solo this episode because Roger's not quite here. I'm here. I'm just munching on crackers, cutting some slack. <laughs> You're the one that's got to edit this. I don't care. <laughs> issue 83, the cracker episode. <laughs> I guess you got, like, peanut butter in there, too, so I'm going to go to talk to you and you just got nothing. <laughs> They're just plain Ritz crackers, so it's not okay. a big deal. All right. We'll see. Just sit here and lick the tops off of them to get this all <laughs> <laughs> Which would you prefer? <laughs> yeah, that's a little too disturbing. I don't think I want to listen to that. <laughs> all right. We have some interesting things to talk about today. And first one is actually one that you brought up. I'd seen it around, but I didn't really look that much into it. And that's the uh, the new Deep Comics technology. Uh, I don't have an iPad, so I haven't able, been able to actually look at the little demo they put out there. So what did you think about it? See, okay. The thing is, is that it is damn cool. All right, not just a little cool. It is damn cool. But the problem is, is that it's also very much a gimmick. It's like three 3D movies kind of thing where something is done a specific way in action scene specifically for the, the sake of 3D, which ruins parts of the story at times kind of thing. So it, it has a potential to be nothing but a gimmick. However, if done properly, it's bloody awesome on a tablet because um, by tilting the tablet... Okay, first of all, for people who aren't aware of what it is, it uses um, certain coding so that your image appears in 3D, essentially, kind of thing, and there's different parts of what is going on in a scene that are one behind the other, so that as you are tilting your screen and moving it around, you are then seeing different parts of the uh, the scene. What I thought was very cool as well is that it's done in such a way, too, that it is not just layering items in a scene, but also like a, a what would be your depth perception for that scene as well. Case in point, in one scene, um, the guy has his arm out, and when you move your 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 tablet, you if it was if he was one solid item in that scene, then he would all of him would move. But no, his arm kind of stays where it is. But then you see parts of his body underneath that you wouldn't otherwise see because it was blocked by that arm, meaning that that arm is closer to you, so it's it's out. Um, so that gives it a lot more depth as well. It's 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 less like looking at a cell shaded, you know, homemade movie kind of thing where things are just stuck one on top of the other. It, I thought it was very very cool. The only thing is again that it's going to be one of those things where the potential for it to just be a gimmick are going to be astronomical. And then the other thing, of course, is that this is going to add a lot of production time 
to each and every comic. And as we very well know, production time means money. Not just time in between issues, but also money. So I can't foresee this being huge. I think it'll do all right, maybe, hopefully. But I can't foresee it being too huge just because of that. I mean, you start selling these off for more than a regular comic is going for, which one would assume they would have to in order to break even in terms of time and, 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 and cost of, of the art and everything. And we're looking at a fairly expensive project here. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in the end, of course, with everything, it's going to come down to the quality of the comics themselves. Yes. I mean, I don't have, I like, I couldn't see the full demo that they put out there because it's only available on iOS right now, and I have an Android tablet. So all I really have to go off of is a little YouTube video they put up a, a couple examples, and which those examples, for it. while really cool from like a tech standpoint, you can tell they were, they were framed out as just to show off the technology. Like they weren't very good comic oh, panels. Oh no, no, not at all. So it, it, the, the technology is some cool stuff you can do there. But, of course, the actual comics themselves are going to be what's most important. Yeah. But, again, this is something that, um, okay, say what you will, and I agree with you, about AVX right now. Okay? Sucks. It really does. And, uh, and there's a lot of reasons why. We've said it. Um, unless you just like a completely We're say more later. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, say what you will about it. But that in... This kind of technology, where it is, it's not just then about like, you know, spotting all the plot holes and being disappointed and all the stupidity, but also just then there's a lot more to the cool factor than it is neat. It is interesting. You can have insane scenes that would be just so bloody awesome. It would work for that kind of story. There's different types of stories that I can really see this working for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see some really cool like fight scenes or just. Exactly. Yeah. All right, moving on from there is something uh, I've been waiting for a while to talk about, so I thought it'd be a nice uh, counterpoint to the deep comics, and that's the Thrillbent. Thrillbent is actually Mark Wade's digital comics portal site. Uh, right now, it really only has one comic available, Wade's Insufferable, which we'll touch on in a second. But it's intended to be a, a community where other creators can come together and have their digital comics presented through it as well. Now, Mark Wade is a guy who's been around for a long time. He's been a writer for both Marvel and DC. He was editor-in-chief for Boom Studios for a number of years, so he knows the comics industry. What he doesn't know is the digital comics industry. So instead of being like so many other people and just kind of passing it off or, you know, being Mark Millar and pretending like the internet doesn't exist or, you know, just do my normal thing and hey, let's put it out digitally. Who cares? He's actually trying to do Things with digital comics that would improve through the medium. And like like we talked about previously with that AVX Infinite, the cool panel transitions and the stuff that you can't do with a physical comic book. And Thrillbent, and especially Insufferable specifically, is where he's experimenting with a lot of these different techniques. I mean, it's free. If it doesn't work out, hey, it's no big deal. And so he's putting them out uh, once a week. They're up to, I think, uh, the eighth issue just came out today. I haven't checked that one out yet, though. But it... Insufferable itself is a fun concept because, for the most part, everybody hates the superhero sidekicks, through the various Robins to Speedy to you name it. So they take the premise of the superhero and the sidekick, have a falling out because the sidekick is the most insufferable person on the planet, and then they go from there. I, it's a really enjoyable story aside from the little digital stuff they're doing with it. I actually haven't read it, but... 
after you sent me the information, I did go through a lot of his site. And I went through and I was reading all of the blog entries and everything like that. And I actually went quite far back. And the reason I didn't get to the comics is because I was enjoying his writing on <laughs> yeah. everything else so much. So it was like, okay, I'll get to the comics later. And I will, because I'm justifiably very interested to to read this story. But just his perspective on where things are at now, where things might be going, um, this example, this this experiment, whatever you want to call it, that he's doing with digital now, his conversations with other people, and and his like shouldn't be above ninety nine cents thing that he was talking about as well too like you can tell that here's someone that understands what is going on right now and wants to find a way to make it work not just it's always been this way mentality but let's work with it and see what we can do to the point of when he was talking about the how insufferable is getting torrented now and he was saying instead of fighting against it do something about it that's more proactive. So he puts out his own torrent. He just slaps one page at the end saying, if you enjoyed this, go to and the site and that's it. And he said that having checked the torrents, that's what is, that's the version that people are using. They're not just taking out that one page and repackaging it. They're actually putting it out like that. So again, more power to him for understanding that there there has to be a different way to approach this and and it doesn't mean just always having to give it away but try something different use different approaches to this so i i was so impressed with the man yeah especially and we're talking about his uh, specific blog at this point markwade.com uh, we'll probably add that into the show notes because i fail at show notes and where he just such he lays everything out. He he has nothing to hide. And like I said, he he knows various facets of the industries. I loved the one where he was talking about the actual financials of the print industry. Talking about, yeah, okay, let's say your comic is three ninety nine. At best, you're probably selling it at for a dollar sixty wholesale. Because, you know, it goes through the distributors and retailers, everybody has to take their cut. So at the publishing level, you're really only selling that comic for a dollar sixty. Which Okay, in and of itself, that's not that bad until you take into account that the, he's, it takes approximately a dollar to print the thing. So you're looking at a 60 cent profit, and that's before the writers and everybody gets their cut. So you could tell why the print industry is suffering a bit right now and why Wade specifically is trying so hard to, A, figure out the digital market, which nobody has really tried to yet except – from the print industry, at least, like there's so many people out there, you know, Penny Arcade, uh, Blind Ferret, the stuff they do, they know the digital industry and they market for that. So seeing people from the print industry trying to figure out and then B, make it work for them, seeing it a step by step process with somebody telling you every week, this is what I screwed up. This is what yeah. I learned. <laughs> and with all these great uh, columns about this is how. I, I've had to change my writing style for digital. It's been so informative, and it's, every week it's been great to see this project grow. You know what? If it if it wasn't for the fact that he is he he just sounds like a great guy kind of thing. I'm I'm sure he's got his quirks as well, but he, he sounds like just a really nice guy. Works well with other people, and he's not afraid to say when he has screwed up or, you know, that he screwed up, but he learned his lesson and things like that. And I like that. I can respect that. And it made me want to read more about all of these escapades in, in digital print because it was like, okay, I'm, I'm rooting for you now. You, you got me. I'm rooting for you. Mm -hmm. Another cool thing he's doing with Thrill Bent, um, this has only been one issue, where he had this concept called Cthulhu Calls, where it's basically a story as Cthulhu as a clingy ex-girlfriend. It's hilarious. Check it out. And he he had written it uh, for a print comic, and he wanted to 
kind of transition that print comic style over to a digital. So he got a buddy of his. It's like, hey, just do some storyboards for this. Let's see how it works. And the guy did the storyboards. Wade looked at the storyboards and went, man, these are fantastic. Forget having somebody draw this. He posted these storyboards for this Cthulhu Calls digital comic onto Thrillbent and actually with annotations from the artist talking about the process he went through and how he had to frame things and consider the transitions, how the panel size is different. It's a learning experience in addition to being a fun little read in and of itself. And I really, again, once again, loved how he handled that and kept saying, like, you know, if you're working with a talented artist who knows what they're doing, let them work. Don't micromanage. Don't tell them everything you want. Let them come up with their own ideas of what's going to work. And this was one such example. And and it does. Because you look at that and it is fantastic. It, and I can see why he posts just the, <laughs> the storyboarding and stuff because it was great. Mm-hmm. And then just to bring everything around full circle before we move on, I hadn't checked the site in a little while. And so it was interesting to see at just last night, I noticed he had an article actually about the deep comics technology. And he basically said the same thing we did. The technology is cool, but it can't just be there for a gimmick. It has to serve the story. And then he goes into all these great ideas of things he would like to do with that technology in a digital comic as soon as he can figure out how to actually do it and the stuff he was talking about, like, you know, the panel kind of sliding and revealing something to the reader that the character doesn't notice. There are now we're talking about some really interesting stuff. Like you can do detective stories, all kinds of amazing things with that technology. And now you have somebody who, who has you know a great deal of experience, again, figuring out ways they can use the technology to serve the story instead of the other way around. And that has me really excited. Yeah, the the biggest hurdle he's got right now is that the technology for it, because he could do it in a way that would be flash-based, and, and it would work very well. The problem is, is however, like the, he was talking about his, anal, uh, his Google analytic, analytics blah, for <laughs> the site. Man, that was tough. Um, and, and how a very large portion of his readers are coming from iPads right now. Well, if you are sending your stuff to any iOS device, guess what? You're not going to be able to use Flash. So that knocks that right out. So there's a lot of different things that he's going to have to look at in terms of the proper um, gallery viewer and different things like that that will enable him to do what he wants to do. And in a project like this, you don't want it to be where every single one is individually coded. Then you can do it, and it'd be interesting with, with CSS and different other coding and stuff like that, but you want something that's a turnkey solution kind of thing. And so it was funny because I was reading that, and then I went online and said, I wonder, because, I, of course, designing all the sites that I've done, I often go searching for, okay, what's a good way to do displaying images here and things like that. And I've, I own a few licenses, but I found another one that is ironically would work quite well for what he's doing and allow him to scroll up, down, touch scrolling as well, all that kind of stuff. So the biggest hurdle for him right now is going to be the um, just the software. And once he can get that down pat, being able to run with it and do whatever he wants won't be that hard. Mm-hmm. So some very exciting things coming from the future of comics uh, right, right now. However, there are some very exciting things currently going on in comics and specifically in Skull Kickers, oh. which I don't know about you, but is at least in my top three favorite comics right now. <laughs> love it. Love it, love mm-hmm. it, love it. And specifically, we're talking about issues 14 and 15, which finally tells the story of Baldi and how he got his gun because... 
through the previous 13 issues. You know, it's been a classic medieval fantasy setting, and yet you have this big dude with a freaking six-shooter. They haven't bothered to explain it. They've told some great jokes with it, but now we finally get that backstory. And I even love how they bring in, right at the beginning, they, all the, the narrative captions. And even saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. We haven't needed narrative. <laughs> the, the captions are arguing with each other. We haven't needed captions ever before in this comic, and now we got to do it now because of your haphazard writing. <laughs> and of course, talking to Zub, we know that they, he never quite came up with the backstory <laughs> for the gun. So it, it's really fun the way they're playing off the traditional uh, things in comics, even when they're like, oh, please, have you seen what's going on in superhero comics these days? This is nothing. <laughs> the the had um, When I started reading those, my initial thought, I'm not going to lie, my initial thought was like, oh, crap, this has a potential to go bad. Same as with number 14, when it was like, oh, I'm going, oh, this has a potential to go really bad. But then his writing is so strong, and he pulls it off. So it's like, okay, good work. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so... We've been trying to figure out exactly what the origin of this is. And there's been so many theories thrown around. All right. Was this one even on your radar? <laughs> Did you have a clue? No, hell no. Not even a clue. No. All right. So at this point, spoiler warning, because, yes, these comics are out right now. So we'll, we'll give you that moment. Now, for those of you who don't care about the spoilers, so far we've had this medieval fantasy story that has transitioned into a pirate adventure, and in the middle of the pirate adventure has decided to do a flashback, flash forward, flash sideways, flash whatever you want to call it, to the American Wild West in the 19th century, where good old Baldy Rex Maraud is a very... Um, hairy, let's just say. He has a full head of hair, beard, everything going on. Cowboy. <laughs> and I was like, what? That, that I would not have called that in a million years. Well, I, I I could easily see the the some of the opposites being used for this kind of thing, just because of the writing we've seen so far with him kind of thing. So it, it wasn't a huge kind of surprise, but again, so well handled that it was it worked. Case in point, when he is talking to this creature kind of thing the potential to go bad is is ever present on every page you're like oh but he pulls it off it's a walk in a tightrope but he he does Mm -hmm. so we don't get much backstory on him because the story isn't about him it's specifically about the gun and how the two of them made it to this fantasy world they're in now so we don't know too much about rex going into the story we just know a it's the wild west and b he kills monsters that's really all we need to know for the purpose of the story and And he enjoys it (laughs) yes in this particular story he comes against this cthulhu looking thing two cthulhus in one episode awesome (laughs) called the thule and the thule takes over his 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 mind controls him and has him going on these missions and it he has this this pool there if your soul is strong enough it'll grant your your strongest wish and he gets this super awesome gun and goes on this murdering spree killing you know chupacabras and various you know mythical creatures and deities and what have you until well Thule says, hey, great job, but aside from sidebar, I think it's hilarious that, you know, after the whole big scary monster thing is over, Thule just talks like a regular guy. Not even a regular guy. He should, yeah. It's like he should have a surfboard in one of his tentacles. <laughs> but Rex finally does realize he is now working for one of the monsters that he hates so much. And that's his his will, his soul, his spirit is so strong, he actually breaks the mind control, fights back against Thule, 
gets thrown into the other dimension because Thule is now seeding his eggs through various timelines and what have you. And that's how he ends up where he is today, somehow losing all of his hair along the way, because why not? That's just funny. <laughs> well, I don't but, know that it was necessarily that he came to it because of the monster and realized, but it was because it was at the same time as the eggs were coming out mm-hmm. and it was kill the eggs because the eggs are the monsters that are going to be going to all of these different dimensions and planets and everything like that. And so it was they, he recognized that those are monsters and he's supposed to kill all monsters and that's why he started slaughtering them. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. But <laughs> it... <laughs> what am I overanalyzing a skull kickers? Is that what you're saying? No, I, <laughs> but I, Zub's going to be listening to this. I know. So I want him to know that I was right and you weren't. Well, we'll see. We'll see who ends up being right because I got one for you later. All right. But all in all, it was it was a strong story, completely out of nowhere, completely unexpected. But it gave us that through all of it, it despite being a backstory and, you know, kind of explaining something along the way, it did establish more of Rex's character. And that's what I really enjoyed about this little side story. I love that when he's going around and the creature is talking to him all the time. And it's saying, you know, a lot of the other people are a lot chattier <laughs> when, when we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> just keep going. But no, yeah, there was a lot of different things throughout that were that were fun. It's like the character is not that that deep. He just isn't. So you can't expect anything deep. You expect a fun ride. And that's what these two issues were, just a unbelievably fun ride. And again, you got your straight man, so replacing the, the, the dwarf is this Cthulhu thing, and... Again, initially I was thinking, oh, this is going to be not good. But freaking, I love that Cthulhu, dude. Seriously, give me a T-shirt with a, a surfboard <laughs> and one of those tentacles. I'll buy it. All right. Now, something I did pick up on, and I may be overanalyzing the story. At the beginning of issue 14, when he rolls into that town and he meets the bartender, and the bartender's asking him, oh, are you the one that killed all these people? And he's like, yeah, maybe. You know, Did you do all these things? And he's just kind of going along with it. And he's like, hey, are you the one who's looking for the person who killed his fiance?" And his response is, no, that one isn't me. I'm kind of wondering if the other one he's referring to is that other Rex we saw back in issue 11, was it? When the the guards busted in and found a completely different version of Rex and um, Shorty. I forget his actual name. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to check. So we we may have a pair of interdimensional travelers going on here. I, you're giving Zub a lot of credit there, <laughs> that he can be juggling that many balls in the air at the same time. Are you trying to say he's not that good, I, that's knowing not what he's I'm going saying. to be listening to this uh, episode? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying you're giving him a lot of credit, but I'm curious now if if that's true. It's it's just the way he said it. It, it kind of, uh, I, I didn't notice it that much first time reading through, but then the second time I read through it, I was like, it kind of stuck out to me as something that may be important. See, the way I took it was that he was just kind of not admitting that that was him possibly i don't know we, we will see yep. or maybe we won't <laughs> i'm sure we will eventually <laughs> it out to be absolutely nothing yeah. <laughs> but anyway skull kickers we've talked about it almost weekly for the last couple months check it out it's freaking awesome agreed all right moving into what we're reading for the week i have an interesting lineup uh first of all incorruptible number 30 the final issue written by mark wade see i I swear I didn't plan this. It's just a naturally (laughs) great flowing episode. (laughs) The final issue uh, that was the counterpoint to Irredeemable. Now, Irredeemable, in the end, kind of just wrapped up the whole story of the planet and everything, whereas Incorruptible 
throughout its entire run was very character centric and focused on Max and the people around him and how his actions affected the people around him. And that was not as grandiose as a finale, but it was much more fulfilling because it all those little character moments wrapped up into a tight little bit. And it, it wasn't a happy ending. It wasn't you know, there's still loose ends that, you know, we can build upon it in our heads because Wade said he's done with it, but it's a little open ended, but a hopeful open ending. And I, I really enjoyed the way they tied that story up. Cool. So now you can read it because it's all done. Yes, I will. Dude. Seriously. All right. The other one I have here uh, is X-Men issue 30, which, as I mentioned, was the first issue from the new writer, Brian Wood. The story itself, I'm not 100 percent sold on, but it's better than some of the stuff we've been seeing in adjectiveless X-Men previous to this. But what I do like is for the first time now in 30 issues, the book kind of has a purpose and a role. They're setting it up as what they've tried to do previously is as it storms team, you know, the, the security team with her, Psylocke. Uh, Colossus and you know, basically her handpicked crew of doing they're basically serving the X-Force role for Cyclops's group except in a less um, stabby way <laughs> if yeah. you will but just the way it's set up and giving everything a structure is something that that book has been missing ever since it came out and I, I'm now a little more interested in it because after that whole vampire story which was awesome it just kind of it, I don't want to say it floundered. Like, there were still some interesting stories. The whole thing with Spider-Man and the lizard, that was fun. It just it lacked direction, and now I, I think it's finally finding a new direction. I, I agree, except that I am not as interested in that team, one. And two, I the, the thought of Storm hiding things from Scott so that she can do what she wants... I mean, how much has that character changed over the years then? Because there was a time when there was, no, she would stand up and say, no, this, no, this, this, this is what it is and that's it. Deal with it. And this, this is actually straight uh, in Storm's character, at least from my experience. Um, several years back, uh, she actually broke away from the Xavier School that when they did um, Extreme X-Men which was written by Chris Claremont, who, of course, is well-known as the, the X-Men guy, with fantastic art by Salvador LaRocca. And it went completely off the rails at multiple points, but the entire purpose of that was Storm did not trust Xavier anymore, so her and a group of the X-Men broke away. So I, it's it's kind of that same concept, just because we've seen Storm really doesn't want to be there with Cyclops. No. So it, it, it's... It's that same character just kind of twisted and molded for the story, not not really breaking the character. Yeah. And honestly, I Colossus has been kind of meh yeah, lately did, for me too. So Colossus ev literally yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So I really was not that interested in this, I, I got to tell you. And I'd been reading up until then too. And, and I'll keep reading, of course, but it really wasn't anything that I found extraordinary. Yeah, like I said that the comic itself ha has some issues, but I'm at least hopeful that it's going to be more of a part of the X-Men universe than it has previously. Right. And the last bit, I'm trying to make sense of some of these AVX tie-ins. <laughs> now, like I said, I have been legitimately enjoying quite a few of the AVX tie-ins. Uh, Avengers Academy, total great story. X-Men Legacy has been some fun. Uh, even the Uncanny X-Men stuff, it's been a little hit or miss, but it's been doing some interesting building upon the story that's going on in AVX, which, well, let's face it, you can do nothing but build upon that story. <laughs> anyway, uh, in specific, I'm talking about Avengers and Secret Avengers. Now, 
Secret Avengers told the story of the team that went off into space that we've seen you know, trying to stop the Phoenix from getting to Earth. And what's been going on there is they ended up you know, getting bits of the Phoenix Force absorbed and you know, getting jacked up by the Phoenix Force, ending up uh, uh, in the Kree uh, space. And the Kree using that bit of the Phoenix Force to resurrect Captain Marvel. And in that story, we see Captain Marvel and through mind control of their actual loyalties, because uh, Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel and Novar, the protector, you know, they, they have ties to the Kree. So it was just a little nudge that we've seen the two of them with Marvel going up against the Secret Avengers. And just in the latest issue I read, not the one that came out today, um, they're finally starting to break that mind control and, you know, getting their things together. However, in Avengers, it's following that same story, but it's all about Novar turning on the Avengers and selling them out to the Kree to the point where him and Miss Marvel get into this huge fight and argument. I mean, she's like the one most angry at him. And he's completely cast out. So here I am having two completely different stories in the exact same setting with the exact same characters that are supposed to be going on at the exact same time. And they do not go together. There's a bunch of that. All. No, like, like you talk about, okay, we've seen Colossus here, Colossus there. Like I said, this is the exact same people, place, and time. <laughs> With two I know. completely different stories. This makes no sense whatsoever. And then compounding that from everything from the first issue of AVX up through the stuff on the moon, it's been in timeline wise, what, at most a day? I, hell, I don't know. Not long. Yeah, not very long at all. And yet here we go in issue five of AVX, the space team shows back up on the moon. So these two stories going on in these two tie-ins that involved them going to the far end of the galaxy and back it was like an afternoon journey with, yeah. you know, these huge repercussions. So uh, I've given Marvel a lot of credit over the years, especially compared to DC and the amount of editorial control they've shown of despite the quality of the stories, at least things lined up and made sense eventually. But this is just so completely out of whack like, I'm still really enjoying the Secret Avengers story it's just I'm trying to segregate it from everything else going on because that one story I don't want everything else screwing it up but it, overall it wow it's gotten even worse in the last week <laughs> yeah it's terrible I know I, I really have not been enjoying it and although the best part of all that Avengers stuff the ones in space was Beast sighing at Thor I was like oh you rule. There's a reason why you're the best. <laughs> Sign rolling his eyes, Thor. I go. Oh, I actually took a screenshot of that. That's <laughs> as, as my background. <laughs> so uh, the academy stuff, I had no use for. It was unbelievably lame. It was stupid. We're just I, pretending I've been to fight. Three years. So oh, I'm. In, I'm pretending in, I, to I fight like crap. Oh, it was stupid. Plus, once again, oh. I'm going to keep saying it because, you know what, freaking shame on you, Marvel. I'm sorry, but this seeing that blue chick's ass all the time <laughs> in huge panels, I've had it. I, I really have had it. And the excuse that, well, she's blue, so that's why. So does that mean anybody who's not, you know, Caucasian can just waltz around without clothes on because they're a different color? No, no. Put some case, freaking. I'm dying myself pants. blue. Put some <laughs> pants on. I uh, it pisses me off so much. No argument there. All right, do you have anything uh, to talk about this week? I can't believe you didn't bring up Spider-Man. 
I knew you would. Ah, did you really? Yes. Okay. Well, it is freaking awesome. <laughs> I was kind of skeptical. I I was worried that this would be kind of a, a lame gimmicky kind of thing, and it kind of is a gimmicky thing. But even just so far as this, they made it work. And, and well, they Bendis made it work. Um, Slot. What? Slot. No, Bendis wrote this. Oh, Spider Men. I thought you were talking about Spider Man. No, Spider Men. I said Spider Men. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, no, I, I know Slot. Yeah. No. But uh, no. They uh, both came out in the same friggin' week. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 cool. It's a good little story. It's uh, it's nice seeing Parker back again in that role, kind of thing in Ultimate. Um, and then the the it's it's all about you know again the how how is he going to pull off this gimmick to send him to that other time and i mean there's only so many ways you can do it it's you know it's going to be a, a cliched kind of thing but they make it work anyway and uh and so no i really and of course the ending pff, yeah no you got me hooked for the at least the next issue I've seen so many people saying, oh, Miles should have said something at the end. And I was like, no, leaving it with that silence was so much better than anything the two of them could have said to end the issue. Well, it's not silence. Actually, he says no way. Well, they, they both yeah, say no it. way. They're both but thinking like, it. You know, actually, you know, saying something important. Oh, I wouldn't expect that from either or one of them. <laughs> like, I, like I, had a, I had a friend saying, oh, he should have done the whole, oh, that costume's in poor taste joke. I'm like, no. It just, They'd already that done that, was though. a great ending no it was it was an absolutely fantastic ending i really cannot wait to read more of these no the end of the ends of the earth um was awesome it was freaking awesome slot you're the man you're the man we're actually gonna have to cover that whole thing at one point um what you're laughing because you were already planning that <laughs> no i'm laughing because we basically covered it okay all right fine. but we can we can talk about it no that's time. all right it, it, it was awesome i really liked it it was again one of those how is this going to be pulled off um a few too many cliches here and there, but I mean, you got to expect that in a high action Spidey kind of story, the breaking through the arms, even though he spends four panels saying he can't. All right. But, uh, but no, overall really enjoyed it a lot. It was, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. And, uh, and just uh, to, to go out, I've been, and to again, stick with Spider-Man, I've been going back and reading some of the classic comics, like I was telling you, seeing as we'd just done a few episodes with with that and so i've been going back and i i reread the the death of quinn stacy comics the two of them there and like i was like we were saying like good writing is timeless and it is when you're reading this and you're like damn near choked up <laughs> and it's like how many years ago what's was this and you already know everything that happens it's just a phenomenal story start to finish and uh and so i really love that and then i went back and i'm reading the uh the introduction of galactus that three-part. Oh, yeah. And uh, what I found funny, though, is here is where, again, you see holes when there's different writers doing different things. Because here, the Watcher is involved, gets involved to try to prevent Galactus from taking over the Earth. Meanwhile, freaking Gauntlet Boy well, can and, and want to they, take over. They even said in the Gauntlet, you know, you've done it once before. And he's like, yeah, I'm never going to make that mistake again. Yeah, that's bull. I'm sorry, that's crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, the um, not all of the classic stuff holds up. We've we've talked about that. But when you find the ones that do, like these ones here, like uh, the Fantastic Four. I mean, we're talking; these are old, and and and. Whew, 
Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, the Fantastic the way Four. I think that was like 1967 for that one. Yeah, this is pretty old. I can tell you in a minute. But uh, so yeah, so it's fairly cliched at points and stuff like that. But man, when it's good, it's still good. It's it's still very good kind of thing. So I've been really enjoying that. Mm-hmm. All right, just because I have to, I I have to say it. Did you hear Dan Slott's great Gwen Stacy joke on Twitter a couple weeks ago? <laughs> no. The joke was so great, it got its own article on certain news sites. Okay. How would you describe Peter and Gwen's relationship? How? Abridged. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) God. (laughs) To which somebody replied, oh, snap. Oh. (laughs) Leave it to the interwebs. You know, when you hear a terrible no. joke, you have to share it with as many people as yeah, possible. Nothing is Luckily for me, I have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving into today's new releases. We have a big lineup from Marvel today. Avengers Academy number 32. Avengers versus X-Men number six. And interestingly enough, this week also sees the digital release of Avengers versus X-Men The Infinite number six, which is actually the second issue. How does that make sense? All right, it makes sense because it's tying into AVX number six, so I get what they're doing. But seriously, guys, like I heard about that, I was like, did I miss issues two through five? No, they didn't exist. That I hate you, Marvel. Lame. This, this oh. event is causing me to have an aneurysm on a weekly basis now because of all the crap you're doing. Anyway, we have Avenging Spider-Man number eight. This issue is actually written by Dan Slott, and it's an epilogue to Ends of the Earth. We have Dark Avengers number 176, Hulk number 54, Invincible Iron Man number 519, Journey into Mystery number 640, New Avengers number 27, which, like I said, is one of the better tie-ins, New Mutants number 44, Punisher number 12, Secret Avengers number 28, Uncanny X-Men number 14, Venom number 19, Wolverine number 308, and X-Factor number 238. That's a lot of freaking comics, and most of those are actually X-Men. quite good. There's a lot of X-Men in there. Yeah, the various well, X-Men and, and X-Men Avengers stuff. Yeah. stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a huge tie-in week, unfortunately. All right, from DC, we have yet another Before Watchmen, the first issue of Comedian. Unfortunately, I'm saying they're 0 for 2 so far. DC Universe Presents number 10, continuing the Vandal Savage storyline. Hellblazer number 292 and Wonder Woman number 10. And for everybody else, from Dark Horse, we have the third issue of Alabaster Wolves. An interesting one from IDW, Mars Attacks number 1. Taking that hilarious premise of Mars Attacks, because I love that movie, and having the comic written by John Lehman from Chew, you've got my three bucks. (laughs) Speaking of Chew, we have Chew issue 27, which we've already read, but it's the second helping edition that's been expanded. This is the one that came out last year, kind of fast forwarding in the storyline. So now I'm going to have to go back and read it again to see how it fits into the current storyline. Bastard. You know, you're good when you can make people buy two issues of the same freaking issue. (laughs) And not in that collector sort of way either. No, legitimately two separate versions of the same issue. Yeah. All right, we also have the fourth issue of Saga, and climbing to that 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 finish line. I must—it's not a finish line, but a line where we have drawn the line. Walking Dead number ninety-nine. I will say, oh yeah, did you see the cover though for one hundred? I've seen like a dozen of the covers. Oh, okay. <laughs> that thing has more covers than. Oh, I've only seen one so far. Oh no, they basically every artist for Image is doing a cover for oh, okay. Walking. 
I'd only seen one. It was freaking awesome. I was like, God oh. damn. There's like, there's McFarlane covers. There's Brian Hitch covers. I think even friggin' Liefeld did one. Well, I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up, but I I might be stopping soon. I say 100 is pretty much, you, this is your chance, Kirkman. Like yeah. You've done so much great in the past. It's been struggling for the last several months. We're we're waiting. We we're hoping you're building to something awesome that can win us back over again. I will honestly say that it has been disappointing since Carl got shot in the eye. Not because he got shot in the eye, but since then. I don't Agreed. I can't think of any little story arc during that time or even single episode issue that really meant anything to me since then. Because previously, whenever they had one of those big moments, like, you know, Laurie getting shot or uh, Dale finally biting the dust, the story has built from there. Instead, when Carl got shot, it's trailed down from there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's going to wrap us up here this week. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. You can always email us at Vince or Roger at comicbookinformer.com. We'd appreciate your comments. We'd appreciate your feedback. We'd even appreciate your iTunes reviews. But until then, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Oh, uh, proper. Not gonna lie, though, I was uh, sleeping when you sent me that aim about your paint meds. <laughs> I'm just good now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm gonna just sit back here, watch a YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> just fake it. Preferring, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, you ready? Are you, are you done eating? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Man. And it's not just one type of new painkiller. No, two. And they're like... Anyways. I thought I was loopy before. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. Because, um, hold on. Excuse me. That, that was the Canada Dry now. <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs>